I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Hello, welcome to season eight of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm David S. Dawson. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or wherever it is you consume your podcasts. You can always visit us at theintellectual.com as well. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for at the intellectual on either platform. We've also joined Clubhouse. Intellectual Chats is our club, and you'll want to make sure you are following us on Clubhouse for additional live interactive content with us and the guests of these podcasts. So look for and follow Intellectual Chats on Clubhouse. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. Hello, hello, intellectual listeners. Today, we are going to be joined by Cindy Chavez, an actress that you may recognize from Why Women Kill, Glow, and American Housewife. Good morning, Cindy. Hey, you guys. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you. I mean, so first off, what's really cool is we've known you forever. I mean, you're from the San Diego area. And it's been awesome just watching your career take off over the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thanks, you guys. I mean, uh, first of all, it's so amazing to reconnect with both of you. Um, I'm just really, really happy. last time the three of us were all together, it was like really cold. It was middle of the night. Uh Uh-huh. Right? (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. That horror film. Yeah. Yeah. 2000. Was that 2018 or 2017? I don't remember. The years are I think are it was escaping 18. me. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. 18. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it's been, I mean, it's been a little over two years. Or it's been a hot minute in years. a pandemic since then. Oh, my God. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. In this pandemic, I swear I'm losing track of time and years. So uh, thank you for the reminder. Um, yeah. So I'm so, yeah, so, so happy to be back. Um, I'm actually from Los Angeles originally, uh, born and raised. Um, and then I moved to Santa Cruz for a while and then we ended up in San Diego in 2008 and then we lived there for 10 years. So that's how, uh, how we ended up there. I've kind of lived all over California, but I'm California born and raised. I just can't leave. Can't leave. Well, and now Um, I, I think that you've told me before when you were living in Los Angeles as a kid, you, you did acting and stuff as a child, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I attempted to is more, listen, I've always wanted to be an actor um, since like, I've been performing since I was like two years old. Um, But when you're born and raised in LA, it's a little different unless you already have an in in the industry. Like if you're born into a family, of course, right. That's already there and already working in it, kind of a different situation. Um, But I didn't have it. And so back then, I, I did a TV movie. I did a few little things. And then I went back to the stage. Um, I kind of turned my back to uh, film and television. Reason being is that it was just different back in the 80s. I was a kid in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 90s, right? Full on Gen X. Um, you and me. Gra- growing up in the 90s, though, in L.A., good stuff. Like, <laughs> I would not trade... I mean, I was wild. I was a wild child. I grew up really fast and I grew up amongst a, an artist community. So I grew up with musicians. I grew up romping around sunset at 14, 15 years old, doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing at that age. However, you wouldn't let your kids do now, basically. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's funny, you know, Punky Brewster back, uh, Soleil Moonfry, right? Do you guys mm-hmm. know uh, oh, yeah. the show? And, you know, she just did, I guess she filmed everything when she was a kid actor because Funky Booster was like my girl. Like I literally put bandanas on my legs <laughs> and painted freckles on my face because I wanted to be <laughs> her. Oh, she was really oh. cool. Oh my God. She was so cool. Like, yeah, I watched. I just love, she was amazing, you know? And so she just released a documentary 
because she did all this footage and had a video camera and it's called the 90 or something like that. I think I'm saying the name wrong. Um, but I watched it and I was like, Oh my God, even though they were famous. Right. I was like, Oh, that's what I was doing back then. <laughs> like, it was like, it wasn't just me. I was like, Oh wow. Like, yeah, the 90, I, I went on a tangent, you guys, total tangent. That's Sorry. all right. We love um, tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's called yes. Kid 90. So, Kid 90. Thank you. Yeah. It, so Gen X and like, it's, it's very cool because for me, especially just growing up in the LA area, I mean, I literally traveled with like packs of people and like, God, we just romped around LA. I mean, I still look back and I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> that's why I'm in Thousand Oaks now instead of, <laughs> Yeah. It's also a little, a little cheaper. A little outside. A little outside. So my kids, you know, I'm not really big on the suburbs, you guys. So um, I'm just kind of, we've got six more years. Um, I've got, Mateo is now almost 15 and Zachary is turning 13 next month. So we're at six more years and we're, then we'll head back to LA. But for now, let him just be in the suburbs, you know, not like you can get in trouble in the suburbs too. So. Oh, I got plenty of trouble in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, so did my husband, right? He grew up in Fallbrook. So, like, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Encinitas, you know, so I, <laughs> I was you a know, beach rat. I didn't realize that Paul was a California boy, too. Yeah, he grew up in Fallbrook. Oh, well, there you And go. we actually, yeah, but we actually met in Santa Cruz. It's a long-ass story, but, okay, like, so, yeah. But we, we love long-ass stories, and we have okay. a good hour. How did you get to Santa Cruz? What was that story? Okay, so I grew up in West LA. Um, I had my parents. I so my parents were born and raised. Um, my actually, my dad was born in New York. My mom was born in Minnesota, but they both ended up in Los Angeles at a very very young age. So my parents grew up in Hollywood, and they met at a very young age. And it was this big dramatic story. My mom got pregnant at seventeen, and they got married. They're still together. You know, it, it really could be a movie. Uh, I'm not going to go into all those details. And then they had my brothers. And then my brothers are actually 15 and 13 years older than me. And then I came along when my parents were in their 30s. So um, so then we lived in Westwood. They wanted to move us, even though my parents didn't have much money um, at all. My parents were antique dealers. They were self-made. I think that's part of why I have such a big entrepreneurial spirit myself. I have a really hard time working for other people. Yeah. Like, I think a I'll lot of creatives do. Oh God. Like, <laughs> I think that's why I found that well, we'll get there, but it, I really do thank my parents for that entrepreneurial spirit because my parents came from like no money. They came from nothing. And I grew up going to garage sales and slot meets and waking up at 4am and helping them pack. And so I, they really did give me such a great work ethic, you know, like, you know, work for what you get. The work you put in is what you're going to get, right? Um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, even though I'm talking about the 90s all, you know, nostalgically, right? Uh, I had pretty rough teenage years. I was lost. I partied a lot. Um, I mean, looking back, I was pretty, just, it was pretty crazy growing up the way I grew up. I just did a lot too young. Right. Um, and then I had a really bad boyfriend um, that I moved out with when I was 18. Um, I was very young. I moved out of my house and somehow my best friend moved up to Santa Cruz. And I can't really explain it, you guys. Um, I was running away. I was really struggling, struggling in Los Angeles. And at 19 years old, I was like, I'm leaving. And my parents tried to take away my car and they were like, you know, no, you can't leave. And I'm like, no, I just, I can't explain it, but I have to get out of LA because I am, I was dying in LA. And one of the reasons being is because I wasn't doing what I truly wanted to be doing, which was acting. But um, I would get the lead in plays in high school and then I would quit. Like it was because I, um, I had no self-esteem. I had no, I was so insecure. I was so self-loathing that it was like, no, I can't really do that. And I was, it's because um, I know you guys, I hope I'm not getting too much on a tangent here, but I will get back to my point. You know, when you, 
my look in the eighties in the industry was not like the look. Right. Yeah. And I was told I was ethnic. I was told I was too this, I was too curvy. I was too short, you know, and I looked at everyone on TV rise and honestly, and that's why I'm so big. I talk about women empowerment and I'm so big on like body, uh, body positivity and loving you for who you are because I grew up in the eighties as this little ethnic looking girl. And I looked at all the blondes, tall, skinny, anorexic blondes, and they all looked like Barbies. Mm. And I was like, how am I going to do that? And I grew up in LA. And when you grow up in LA, believe it or not, like I said, it's different. Like when you come from another state and you don't really know what the industry is. I grew up seeing movie stars all the time. I grew up being in like around it. So I was like, how am I ever going to be that? And so I never even really tried. Like I acted, but I was self-sabotaging. So Mm -hmm. I basically left LA at 19 and was like, can I cuss on this podcast? Okay. (laughs) And I was like, fuck you, LA. Fuck everything about LA. But the thing was, is that I had been through so much trauma in LA I was just running away. I mean, you know, um, my parents did the best they could, but there was a lot of generational trauma. My parents didn't come from good homes. So there was, a, we'll get, I am very big on generational trauma and the mm-hmm. things that you take in that you don't even know you're taking in, right? Yeah. So I left, I went to Santa Cruz because my best friend went to Santa Cruz and I left with the bad boyfriend. Ooh. Um, yeah. But do you know, um, he, yeah, he had nothing to do with it. He was just like, I can't even explain it, you guys. He had nothing to do with it, really. I was just like, I have to get out of here. So we moved to Santa Cruz, um, and I lived there with him. And then I went into veterinary reception and veterinary technician work. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Yes, because that's one of my other passions is animals. I love, love animals more than anything else. Um, I'm very passionate about rescue work. When I was a kid, I uh, for 4-H, I worked at a veterinary hospital because I thought that that's what I was going to do as a grown-up until I found acting. So I didn't know that. Nice little. Oh, I didn't common... know that. We have that in common. Yeah. But I didn't. I never worked with large animals because 4-H, you worked with goats and horses and right larger animals. But mostly domestic at the at the vet clinic that I was working in. It was mostly. Domestic. Oh, very cool. But that's so cool because I never even got the chance to work with large animals. I worked with. I've worked with a lot of exotic animals because I started, I actually did start, I was working at Wilshire Animal Hospital, I remember, before we left for Santa Cruz. And I remember they put me on like a trial. It was my very first vet job and they put me on a trial. And I thought I did a good job, but then they let me go. And that kind of devastated me. And I was like, well, fuck, I think that was part of the reason I was like, I'm just out. Because I did start there. The way things um, work when we're young, right? Oh my God. We take everything so brutally personally. So personal. And then with the experience, we just get more and more of a coat. (laughs) Armor. Little pieces of armor. Armor. You know what's good, though? It didn't taint your love for animals just because you had that experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you still have a passion for that, even though you had a little bit of heartache. Always. You know, I've always, um, ever since I was a little girl, I've always been really connected to animals. When I was a little girl, I was obsessed with dog fancy and cat fancy. Do you know those magazines? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is funny. I used to have, um, I would take all the dog pictures and put them all over my wall. And then I would have a dog of the month that had a special like frame and I would name the dog of the month. And it was, yeah, I was, uh, I used to make my own magazines myself out of, I loved a collage. I don't draw but I love collaging. Like that's like my thing. Like I will just collage for days. Um, if you ever have magazines, you, just, you can send, send them my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so yeah, that's Cindy has vision boards all over her house. I have one in my bedroom and then you should see my, I mean, you guys, since we're on, I have like all of like my journals are all collaged and, and then I have, cause I've done morning pages for years um, I'm really big on the morning pages with the artist way. So I wake up every morning and I journal and I have a whole actual two hour. Every morning I have a two hour practice that I do. I wake up really early every morning. So I get time alone to, you know, set my intentions for the day. And, you know, it's, I, it's a great practice to have to like 
get yourself through the day. I'm in awe of your dedication. I've tried, I think the most I've done consecutively morning pages is like a month and then I'll just fall off. So, wow. Kudos to oh, you. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I've always been a journaler though. I don't know if that's a word, but whatever. Make it a word. A journaler. Word. I like it. Um, I have all my, I started journaling when I was like 12 and I still have all of my journals. And that's I've, awesome. I've always been, um, and you guys read my Instagram, but I'm very like free uh, stream of consciousness type of writer, uh, you know, where I, and also a speaker, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very stream of consciousness. Sometimes I'm like, are you guys following me? <laughs> I don't know. Cause I'm like, shit, are they still here with me? Um, <laughs> Paul will have to stop me sometimes and be like, stop. You're tangenting this way. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> back. So feel free. You guys stop me. So. I'll, I'll circle you back around, but Good. tangents Thank are you. great. You need to harness me because I'll get wild when I talk. Um, oh, where was I? Uh, okay, yeah. So Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. That thing. Um, I was there for 10 years. Spent my 20s in Santa Cruz. I lived there from 19 to 29. Um, met my husband there. Got married there at 25. I got married so young. It's so funny. Nowadays, I'm like, looking back, I'm like, Wow. Um, got pregnant there. I went back to school and I got my AA in biology, actually. This is a funny story, actually. I when I when Paul and I started dating, that was the start of my how do I how do I say this? I mean, it was just the start of me starting to see me again. Mm-hmm. There was something about Paul. I mean, he's my soulmate. Like I'm so blessed, like without this guy. And I'm not saying I couldn't have done it alone, but like when you're really with someone who honors you for you and supports you and there's no, and there's real communication and there's, but we've been through a lot. You know, we've had to, we've been married almost 17 years now and we've, you know, grown together and, you know, but there was something about him when I, when we first got together, um, I'm sorry, my cats are fighting. No, stop it. Um, I don't tolerate fighting in my space. Um, so I lost track, you guys. Hang on. You were talking I'm about sorry. Paul, Paul um, growing with you through yes, your yes, trials. That. So, yes, Paul and I started dating. Um, I actually went to Cabrillo College in Santa Cruz, uh, community college there. And the first thing I did when I started to get into, I like to call it my, I fell into a pretty deep hole in my early 20s. Um, I got really into pills. I got really into alcohol. I put on like 20 pounds in like just a few months. Like it was my, it was one of my dark, it was one of my darker holes. So I started to, well, the first thing I did when I got out of that is I went and did a play. First thing, boom. And I was like, oh, here I am back. Yes. Oh, it feels so good. Right. 22 years old, 21 years old. And then I did the play, finished it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my degree, but there's no way I'm going to go back for theater because what would I do with it? (laughs) And here I am working, right? And here I am working, you know, at the vet and I'm, we were hiring receptionists. I'll never forget this because this was part of my decision making. And one of the uh, applications came over and she had a BA in communications and theater. And that's exactly what I've always wanted to do. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I already got this job. And so I was like, well, I'm going to be a vet or I didn't even want to be a vet. I wanted to study animal behaviorism. Um, I find the animal kingdom fascinating. So I went back to school. I got an AA, busted my ass. I'm not a math person, you guys. I went all the way up to integral calculus. I had to do study groups all the time. I And then I ended up leading study groups in cellular molecular biology. Who would have known? I was like really smart. I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> but I like had test anxiety because my perfectionism was so intense and it was a form of self-sabotage that I had to get special testing because I would study so hard and put so much pressure on myself, right? This sound familiar to auditioning and acting, right? It's the same thing. It was like a perfectionist thing. And it was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yes, I studied for six hours straight, but I'm still not ready, right? 
And then I would get into the test and I would like ha have panic attacks because I had worked myself up and I didn't have any um, from my childhood and from things, you know, life. I didn't have any sense of self or I didn't, I didn't have a sense of trust. Mm. I didn't have self-identity. I had yeah. always been looking for it externally because that's all I knew. I didn't know any better. So of course, you know, here I am trying to just perform, you know, like in any way to show myself and prove to myself because I was the fuck up in high school, right? right? I was the party girl. I was the fuck up. So I was like, well, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to show everyone and myself that I am worthy. Um, it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I learned a lot. Um, then got into UCSC, uh, UC Santa Cruz. I actually did an internship there. I studied there for a little bit. I got in there. Then I was like, I was going to study ecology and evolutionary biology. And I wanted to go into animal behaviorism. Then I realized, oh, wait a minute. No, Paul and I have been married for two years and um, I'm 27. And I want to have a baby. <laughs> like, okay. And it was really weird because here's the thing. People would ask me, there were these science people that were really passionate about science. One, one girl I know, Morgane, I mean, I see her now and she's, she's um, on boats studying marine biology and she's a full on scientist, right? Because she was so passionate about it. Out there and in the world pursuing it. Yeah. Doing exactly, it. Living it. Exactly. Yeah. Biology. Listen, I love animals, right? But it's not. I'm passionate about them. I love them, but it's not what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Right. But that was like fear because my real passion is the arts. Yeah. But there's you, you more... want the work that doesn't feel like work to you for her being on a boat. That doesn't feel like work for her. Cause that's where her passion lies. So. Exactly. And then I also realized I'm an empath and I, it took me a long time to really own my high sensitivity and the fact that I am an empath. Right. I distracted myself a lot from it for many years. I stayed like what I said, right? I stayed as busy as I possibly fucking could for 20 years of my life. <laughs> I either partied and got like so hammered. I didn't know what was going on or I stayed so busy that I couldn't, you know, then, you know, things changed. And I started to really accept that I'm an empath. And then I realized I can't study the animal kingdom because it's very brutal. Like I couldn't handle it. You know, those nature shows when the, when the mountain lion is stuck in the whatever. And like, I like tried to turn it off. <laughs> I can't handle watching the prey get eaten. And I well, know. You, you, you I couldn't know. handle your cats fighting next to you. Exactly. <laughs> And that's how they say hello. So. <laughs> I, know. Like, I can't handle it, you know. So, so yes. So, um, so ten years in Santa. Then I ended up. We ended up getting married. I had a, I had Mateo in two thousand six in Santa Cruz. Then I got pregnant again unexpectedly with Zachary, and I'm, I say unexpectedly because motherhood was quite a rude awakening for me. Um, I did not adjust well. I had listen. I was twenty seven. I was to I had totally unrealistic expectations of pregnancy and having, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be so cute. And this is going to be so fun. <laughs> I'm going to have this belly and like, Ooh, and I hated being pregnant. It was not fun. I didn't like it. I did like feeling him kick inside me and I loved nursing, but everything else I hated. I was crazy. I was mean. I did a horrible thing to a friend in a wedding when I was like 35 weeks pregnant to her. <sighs> whatever. Um, so when I got pregnant with Zach, I cried on the toilet. I was like, Oh my God, no, not again. And then I accepted it, but I didn't, or Zach, I didn't let anyone take pictures of me when I was pregnant with him. Like at all. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready. Cause my kids are 21 months apart. And I nursed each child for a year, right? That was what worked for me. So I was pregnant or nursing for three years straight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And let me tell you guys, like, I know there's That's some exhausting. women. Oh, my God. You're like a machine, you know? And I didn't have, here's the thing. Well, I think when you get pregnant later in life, right, the really good thing to that is that you already have a sense of self. I didn't know who I was. 
you guys at all. And I was like, well, I'll just have kids. Then I'll be a stay at home mom and then everything will be perfect. <laughs> that, yeah. It's, it's interesting. You, it's come up a couple of times. You, you saying, you know, you didn't have a sense of self and you didn't have a sense of self. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people who've had really bad relationships one after the other after the mm -hmm. other they've had really bad jobs experiences one after the other one after the other and i continue to give the advice to them don't get into another relationship don't go trying to change your career right away take some time and figure out who you are and what you really want out of life before you move on to the next thing you know because all you're doing is trying to find purpose in these other things right rather than actually figuring out who you are and then deducing what your purpose is from that you know well in that and that's the thing right that's see but people and i can say this because i was there you're not conscious of it that's mm -hmm. the thing it is literally a survival mechanism yeah and i usually get blank stares back from the people that i talk yeah. to yeah because people if you would have said that to me i mean paul used to try He'd be like, you know, honey, you don't need to like schedule this workshop and this workshop and this work. It was like I, because I couldn't have any free time because what would I do? Well, oh my God. I find a lot of those people are scared to sit alone with themselves Yeah, because they don't know who they are. They don't recognize the person that they talk to in their own head and no. they don't want to face that at all. So mm -hmm. it's, you know. it's, you know, and that's the thing, right? With acting. It's like, that was the, the biggest thing for me that I had to like come to terms with was like, as an actor, you are your instrument, right? Mm -hmm. You better know that fucking instrument. Yeah. You better know how to, I mean, it's not just about playing it either, right? You have to nurture it and take care of it. And you have to be gentle and you have to be compassionate. And I think... For me, you know, it's like the artist's way, you know, I'm re I'm, I did the artist's way five years ago with Kristen and Lydia actually. And, and now I'm leading it for somebody else who reached out to me individually and just reached out to me. And I'm so grateful because we've been doing it together for five weeks and I've been reading it and I'm looking back and I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, when you're an artist, you really have to take care of your child. Because that's that little, that's that little girl, that little boy, that little, you know, that, that, that's just that little person that's just in there. And as we grow and we become adults, we're like, be better. <laughs> or like, you know, be quiet or, you know, and so it, it's freeing when you start, when you don't get lost in the business side. And it's so easy to do that mm -hmm. yeah. and just take it and be like, I don't fucking care well lost i'm gonna in the business do side but also lost in the art side of it I, I worry about actors who are like i get lost in the role i have a hard time letting it go when i come home and it's like that's hard it's like you don't know yourself well enough then if yeah. you're getting lost in a character you know like yeah. i mean I, I understand the the phrasing of like oh i like getting lost in a character and letting myself inhabit it but the inability to let it go the inability to kind of drop it at cut, you know, is, uh, you know, I think that's problematic. Well, yeah, you've got it. It's again, it's knowing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I think any actor, I mean, I really recommend, you know, having a therapist. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't be using acting classes for therapy. They're not therapy. No. Like that's, again, especially, you know, like I've, and I, it's, you know, and all, yeah, it's work. Acting is, it's a, it's a craft, but it's also a job. I yeah. mean, for some people it's a hobby, right? Which is, which is a little bit different when it's more of a hobby. Um, and that's fine too, but it's, it's just, again, it's like taking care of that instrument. And you know, for me, I honestly, I pay more attention now to my mindset work than I worry about the acting. Mm -hmm. I live my life now. It's more important to live your life as a person. Person first, actor second. Right. Because got to be a real person to play those characters. Those characters are living, breathing, well, moving. If you, if you don't allow yourself to experience your own emotions, how can you convey emotions of another person? <laughs> exactly.
And for someone like your me, life's numb. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? For someone like me, who I literally put down art for like 13 years. I guess Zumba, Zumba saved me. I love Zumba so much. But because Zumba, there is a creative aspect to Zumba, right? Yeah, I mean, like, there's like dance aspect. Yeah. And it's also for me, it's connection and it's motivating. And I love, I really do like people. You know, but but Zumba was one thing that like saved me because I really did put down that artist hat. When I got married, something, and I think that's from, you know, my parents aren't going to listen to this, but so it's fine. But it's from my childhood. I mean, I was raised by boomers, you guys. I mean, boomers have a different, you know, they went through different things, mm -hmm. right? They went through a lot of scarcity and a lot of like, Ah, fear, fear, you know, and well, they, and were, they I, were raised by people who went through the Great Depression, World exactly. War II, you know, right. the Cold War, and the kind of incessant fear of that, which was the kind of shadow looming over the childhood of the boomers, was the early days of the Cold War. So they were raised with a very different mentality, a very like kind of Absolutely. matter of fact, we, we get things done. We've got to, you know, all stick together. Work hard. Toe you know? the line and make sure that we're productive because, you know, things will fall apart if we don't. Exactly. And, and, and then, and then they experienced Vietnam. <laughs> I know my God. It threw them all for a total loop. You know, it was so. totally. And it's funny, my parents somehow, I don't know. My parents never experienced the hippie, the the revolution or any of that. My parents got married so young and my, and they just were like, survive, 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 survive. Right. Well, let's be honest. There's a lot less hippies than they're claimed to be today. You know? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And I don't know where I was going with this. Now I lost my train of thought, but, but okay. I lost my train of thought. You guys, where was I going with it? Um, Talking your, about parent, yeah. your parents My didn't parents. get to experience that hippie revolution. Right. Oh, being raised by... Boomers. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's married, getting married. So, right. So I was raised, you know, my mother, even though my parents worked together, you know, my parents were antique dealers. Every, they worked together. My parents were like, more like one person, to be honest. They don't separate. Like, mm -hmm. they're like, you know... Um, so my mom and my mom used to say things to me like, you know, she doesn't say it anymore. And this is how she was raised, but it's, you know, the number one thing that's I was just put a lot was put on me of be the perfect little wife, be the perfect mother, even though my mom and my parents weren't really around. My parents were just working all the time. And so I swung the opposite way. And when I got married, Paul married this like kind of wild passionate artist and when I got married I like shut down mm. like completely like I changed and he was like whoa and I became I was like well then I went back to school and then it was like I'm gonna you know do this and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna prove to everybody I said that and then when I had kids and they went to school who I started I became PTA president I went on this whole like stay-at-home mom this was in North County San Diego um, this was my years of Zumba and personal training before I came back to acting. So we'll okay. just jump there. Yeah. There we so, go. We're, so we're jumping to San Diego. Uh, was we're jumping to San Diego. Was there a particular reason why you guys moved down to San Diego from Santa Cruz? Um, <laughs> I was pregnant with Zachary and we lived in this really creepy Victorian house in Santa Cruz. And I swear this house was haunted and I hated it. And I just hated it. And I was like, and Paul was commuting over the hill to San Jose, which is a good 30, 45 minute commute. I didn't have any family there. I had friends, but basically it was just time to move on. I wasn't happy in that house. And Paul's like, okay, fine. His parents were down in San Diego. I wasn't ready to move back to LA yet. And so he's like, fine, let's just move to San Diego. <laughs> so at 30 weeks pregnant, with an 18-month-old in tow, we relocated from Santa Cruz to San Diego with three cats, too. Um, it was kind of nutty. And then we ended up in San Diego. 
And then and at what point to, in San Diego did you find your way back to acting and, and theater and things like that? Um, in 2015, um, we moved to San Diego in 2008. And then in 2000, and then I found the fitness route. I found Zumba. I did all that. Um, then when I had that career all built and all ready, I was like, you know, um, all of a sudden a friend of mine's son was in a play at Moonlight. I think it was, I don't know. And she got us tickets and I was like, sure, we'll go. And I took the boys and I hadn't seen a play in like 13 years. Oh, wow. This is because I was shut down as an artist. Like mm -hmm. I had, I don't think you guys, I mean, I cut it out. I was like, nope, she's crazy. <laughs> um, when I sat there and I watched that play, something, it was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I mean, literally I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God. But that wasn't like, then... Another thing happened, um, Paul and I my, reconnected with my cousin on my dad's side, and I went to New York to go visit her, and then Paul and I ended up going to New York together, um, and we saw Chicago on Broadway. Um, and I'm like, a mu I love musicals, I really do. I don't love them as quite as much as I used to. I'm very particular about the ones I watch now. <laughs> but... It, I mean, it was sitting in that seat and seeing live theater like at that, you know, it was again, another sign. And then, so then I was like, well, I'm going to go back to school. That was my first idea. I'm going to go to San Marcos state and I'm going to get my degree in theater. Like I should have done in the first place. Mm -hmm. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. And then as I'm getting all that ready, got it all ready to go. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to do this. I want to, I want to act. I want to act now. Paul's like, okay, well, why don't you just go audition for a play, community theater play? And I'm like, all right. So uh, Patio Playhouse had auditions going. This was in the summer of 2015. And they had auditions, or the fall, and they had auditions for Moon Over Buffalo. And so I signed up to go audition, right? And you were supposed to have a monologue. And I signed up, and then I didn't go. And then one of the, it's funny, we're still friends. I still have her voicemail saved on my, on my phone because if it wasn't for her. This is what started my whole like journey. Um, this woman named Eileen and Margo, who's the director, they, they couldn't, I guess they couldn't find, I played a really small role. I played Eileen, you know, just like the, you know, a few scenes here and there, which was a perfect way to come back. And they just couldn't find her, I guess. And they really wanted me to come in for the callbacks. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't do this. I haven't acted in this many years. I'm like, I can't prepare a monologue. They're like, listen, just come in and just read. We'll have material for you. Just come and read. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I walk into those callbacks and I did a monologue. I did a scene, I think from, um, I think it was the odd couple. And they just handed me a book and I was like, oh, I know how to do this. You know? <laughs> and I, and I just did it. And then I got cast. And that kind of opened the lid. And then I auditioned for a nice family gathering with Kristen. That's how I met Kristen. And I booked that play. And then I was like, then I auditioned for Skin Deep over at Scripps Ranch. And then I got that one. And I was like, okay, hold up. Take it. Let's take it. This is the universe clearly telling me that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Right. This is funny, Cindy. I was at that Moon Over Buffalo audition. We didn't actually formally meet until much later. Oh but I was at that callback. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's fucking wild. That's, I think that's <laughs> funny. But yeah, we, anyway. So I, I, technically, I met you around the time that you were getting back into all of the mm -hmm. acting and theater. Because, um, yeah, you were doing a lot of theater. I think we met through Kristen. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, all right, so continue. Sorry, I just wanted <laughs> Oh my God, that is so wild that you were there. Yeah. Like, that's so special that we're, that, because that was a really special day for me. I will never forget it. Like awesome. I still have her voicemail on my phone because it was, if she wouldn't have called me, you know, like I'm still like, thank you yeah. for calling me. And we still text. She's like, when you get your Emmy, I'm like, oh yeah, you're my person. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so then I went back to training. 
I was like, okay, it's time for me. This is it, you know? And so I started at MCIT. I started with um, Lisa Berger and Liz Shipman and did the Meisner Chekhov Integration Training Program. And then just basically started taking a lot of commercial classes and just, you know, Candace and started in San Diego, then started training in LA more. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, 2016, so 2016 to 2018 were very crazy rough years for me. Um, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it pushed me, my family. It was because I, once I started training, I started to kind of have a breakdown. I mean, that's right. Was it a breakdown or a breakthrough? Both. <laughs> I, I mean, to be really honest with you, I think back then it was more of a breakdown. Or I think. I think it sounds I, it, like it, you had a lot of walls that needed to be torn oh, down oh before my God. you could start was, something new. So I was just buttoned. Like yeah. I had been so conditioned to be quiet. You guys have not, like, I had been so conditioned my whole life. Cindy, shh, you're too much. Cindy, shh, make sure you're listening to the other person that's talking. Shh, Cindy, you're too selfish. Cindy, shh. Don't be self-centered. I mean, that's what I got as a kid. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I love my parents. And it wasn't just my parents. It was the times. It was being a woman. It was it was a whole whole bunch of stuff. But it's interesting looking back at the training with Jeffrey and, and Lisa Berger. You know, they used to always be like, get angry. I could not get angry because it was like shocked. At, I conditioned out of me, you know, as a woman. Just don't rock the boat. That's what I was taught. Don't mm-hmm. just, shh, you know, it's bite that, your tongue. It's that, it's that numbness we were talking about yep. earlier. Yeah. Yes. You know, you can't and convey it because you can't feel it. Nope. You can't. And how do you get to those roles when you can't feel it? And in order to really feel it for people who have been through trauma, from people who have, I mean, I blocked out a lot of stuff from my childhood, a lot of stuff from my teenage years. I had to start going back mm-hmm. and that's where the work, I mean, I've been doing self work now. I mean, it's really gotten deep the last two years. Um, but it's been, it started, I felt like in 2016, because that's when I realized I had to go to therapy because my actor, my actor, Cindy wasn't meshing with suburban trying to be a mom, Cindy. <laughs> The Zumba actually fit because Zumba is like free and like I can be myself when I teach, right? Like Zumba never, Zumba always fit somewhere. Was this around the time that we uh, we all did the love loss and what I wore? Yeah, that was 2017, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, and that was a crazy year because we had moved. Then I was like, I can't live in the suburbs anymore. I can't live in San Marcos. So I was like, we're going to sell our house. And we're moving to San Diego. And that was in 2017. We lost money on that. It was, it was not the smartest move. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny because the minute we moved down there, that's when I got a really good commercial agent and I started having to commute to LA like all the time. And I was never home. And then I started to feel trapped. Because to be honest with you guys, I didn't want to live in San Diego anymore. I was done. Yeah, I was ready to go back home because LA is home to me. And I ran away. I don't know how to convey this, but like LA has such a special place and it's home. And I ran away at 19 and I ran away from my dreams. I ran away from everything I ever wanted to do. (laughs) So I was rediscovering and finding it in San Diego, but I really wanted to go back home. But Paul didn't want to go back home. Our family was, I mean, we were, you know, we were going through some stuff, you know, it was, it was, that was our breathless time in our marriage. Um, yeah. I remember that. having some conversations with you about like just your frustration about where you were creatively yeah. and. Uh, well, you were going through a massive transformation and the question always comes in with any relationship is with that transformation, can the larger cohesiveness of a togetherness between you and your partner survive a transformation like that. Exactly. Yeah. And we were so, the thing is, is Paul, he always is like, thank God you went back to acting. 
Thank God. Because he didn't, I mean, not to say he didn't love me, but like that wasn't who he married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I didn't, I was so young. I just didn't know. And I didn't know the trauma or stuff that was already in me. Right. I didn't know that getting married would trigger like an artistic shutdown, which is basically what happened, you know, because I had some kind of weird, who knows what, but, um, I'm really grateful for all that we went through to get us where we are now, all the pain, all the transition. And listen, you know, I mean, we had talks, you know, where we were like, are we going to make it? You know, but there was always something with Paul and I, I think that's where we always knew we would. Like I always had like a deep knowing that we weren't going to get divorced, you know, but the thing is, if we did, we did, right. It happens. You get married at 25. Sometimes you grow, right? I just got lucky to where it actually made our marriage stronger. And, so as, um, as you're coming out of this growth period, what was the final catalyst to make you guys decide like, yes, as a family, we're moving back to LA. And cause once that move happened, I feel like you just went freaking well, balls to the wall, full steam ahead. We, I can't go into details about it cause it's really personal, but um, we had some major family trauma happen. We had an event happen that changed everything. It was like the last, you know, it's that event that changes your life, right? That it was a bad event. No one died or anything, but it was a bad event. Um, And it was in November of 2017, right after Thanksgiving. And that was like, and I had to take some time off of acting. I had to take care of my family. I was like, okay, I'm booking out. Like we've got it. And then, um, I, again, I can't go into like detail about what it was about, but, no, no worries. No. No worries. Uh, cause, um, but I went, I'll never forget. I went to my therapist and I'd already been in therapy. I, I am, I've been in therapy for years and years weekly. I am a huge believer in therapy, cognitive therapy. Um, I saw my therapist that day when I was living in San Diego and I had a complete breakdown and I was like, it's either I'm either, I'm either moving back to LA with the kids alone and we will separate or he can be on board, but I'm done here. Um, I went through a lot of trauma in San Diego. Mm. So, which is why I haven't visited a lot. I mean, besides the pandemic, but, um, I went through a lot of experiences there that left me with some scars to tend with. So when I moved away, I was like, I don't want any, that's why I kind of disappeared from the San Diego community. I was like, I don't want anything to do with San Diego. And it had nothing, it was nothing personal to anyone. It was just like, I was healing. I was, I was traumatized. So, and it was weird when you get trauma, just like LA, I was traumatized in LA. So I ran away. This is like a pattern with me, (laughs) you know? So, so anyways, um, I went to Paul and I was like, this is it. I was like, listen, you know, I get it. I'm like, but either we, I, we need to move. Like I need to get back to my family. Like we need to, you know, and Paul was like, okay, let's do it. And we talked to the kids and we um, stayed another six months. We sold our house in San Diego and then we moved to Thousand Oaks. My brothers both live here. So I'm literally in walking distance of both my brothers, even though I haven't flipping seen them this pandemic um <laughs> my parents are still in west la they're still in the house i grew up in Aww. um which is yeah but and thousand oaks i, I mean i'll be really honest i mean um it, it's not really i mean i it's beautiful here i love the trees i do like the open space and i do like the nature aspect but i'm not i'm not a big on the suburbs it's just a different way of living um but whatever as i said earlier we're we're just going to hang here well, for a while. And then you're still very much a woman who wants to do, 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 do. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and the suburb life is very much a, Hey, let's, uh, let's just relax a little bit. Take a little time, make our way over. We'll meet up over here. One ish, two ish, maybe, you know, like very different low key kind of living. Totally. Totally. And, you know, and I'm just not like, a, I'm just not really a helicopter mom. You know, I really trust my kids. I mean, of course, we have our ups and downs here and there, but it's just, sometimes I just, and to be honest with you, I don't really stay away from moms at this point because I went through so much trauma. 
in the PTA <laughs> that I don't, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. It, listen, I'm like all, I think it's amazing that was women do those and men, men do it too. Those fundraisers and like, we've got to get money for our kids school, but there's, yeah. I mean, everybody's got their place. Like everyone has their thing and yeah. <laughs> no, it's not for me. We're just going to, we're just going to leave that there. Um, so yeah, we've been here since 2018 and, um, I got my first theatrical agent. Um, then I got dropped by my first commercial agent. Yeah, I've got a rough. How, are we? Am I talking too much? Do you guys? I'm just saying. Um, no, 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 let no. me know where we are in time. Okay, yeah. good. No, good. You go. You go. Good. Good. Just tell me when to stop. And then um, at some point in there, you turned sag, right? Yeah, that was actually a decision. Um, yes, I wasn't a must join. I made the decision to join because. I just had a feeling, I mean, I knew that's what I wanted. I was kind of done with non-union work, like in general. And I've had a really clear goal from the beginning. To, I mean, television's my passion. I love film. I have a respect for film. But to be honest, is not really my thing. Of course, I would do a film. I would, you know, of course. But television is my goal. Television's what I love. Television's what I watch. And I've always been that way. So I joined the union because I was like, this is what I want to do. And to be honest, I mean, commercials are great money, but they're money. And money is good. We all need money, right? But there came a point, I got dropped. <laughs> okay, I should probably talk about this because this is a really good thing for any actor to listen to or anyone in the industry. I learned a really big lesson in the beginning. So I was with DDO commercially, which was amazing. I had an amazing team. Julie was great. Candace was great. Oh, <laughs> then a friend came to me and my contract was coming up for renewal with DDO. And this person was like, hey, well, I just signed with this really big, I'm not going to say the name of this agency, but um, I just signed with this really big agency, really big name, right? Um, do you want me to get you a referral, right? Commercially. And I'm like, yeah, you know, DDO, DDO is really big. I don't know what I was thinking. It's like that mentality of like, oh, well, I'm going to go to a bigger agency now or something. Yeah. Um, Always oh, seeking the next big thing. Exactly. Which is yeah. ego driven, which is ego, yeah. Yeah. right? And ego doesn't get you where you need to go. And I, this was the lesson I'm glad I learned. I will never do this again. So I'm like, okay, sure. I'll take the meeting, you know? So I meet with this agent. And like right off the bat, I thought I liked him, but he was like a fireball and he was also very arrogant. And there was just, his energy was like overbearing and he wouldn't let me talk. And he's just like, ah, this is people like that. You know, when your alarm bells like start saying like, oh, you're not letting me talk. And I feel run over. Like that's the key to like, so, oh no, this isn't going to work. Right. But of course, back then I wasn't self-aware. I was just, that was what I was used to. Right. right. I was used to people like that. So that was normal for me. I'm like, okay. So then he like gives me the runaround for quite a while. He's like, oh yeah, send me your reels again. Oh yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe. Kind of strings me along. Then decides to sign me. And I'm like, and I didn't renew my contract with DDO. Right. I didn't leave them. I just didn't renew. And sign with this big agency commercially for three years. And then he starts sending me out for, I was getting plus size auditions. I'm a size eight, whatever. Um, that's not even plus size in the industry, you guys. You know, I mean, I have cheeks, I get it. But, but he was sending me out for everything that didn't fit me. I was like, okay. And I was walking in with like, you know, really large women. And they're looking at me like, what are you even doing here? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but okay, I'll do it. I was getting callbacks, but I didn't book yet, which is normal. And then, but then he asked me questions, like he would call me and he'd be like, Cindy, I know this is really rude, but did you have a nose job? Or like, not rude. Like, I know I'm asking you and I'm like, no. And he's like, well, your face is really weird from one side to the other. Did you know that your face is uneven? Wow. And then he would say things to me like, you know, you're like the quirky, like office worker. You're this, you're annoying. You're annoying. So he didn't like me as a person because I was in a very desperate place as an actor. I was definitely giving off the desperate energy, you guys. Okay, it happens. 
people it's have that energy. It's dangerous when you put but up it that is energy, no shit because they sense it. And he sensed my desperation. He's and because he was like, he was abusing me, and I'm like, sounds very it. predatory. Well, and it was abusive, and I was taking it though because I was like, whatever you say, <sighs> you know. Oh my god, you know. Okay, but it's okay. I don't judge myself. It's where I was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all that, he drops me in six months. But you guys had a three-year like, contract. What, what's yeah, but that? he dropped me six. He just didn't know what to do with me. He didn't know who I was. And he didn't like me as a person. You know, he didn't like me. And I, you know, and that's okay. You know, like, but he was abuse. He was very abusive. And looking back, I'm like, and I just took it. Because I didn't think I deserved any better. Right? So I hope anyone who's listening, you know, who listens to this will like hear this, like, DDO was treating me beautifully. They were a perfectly good agency, right? That was on me. Right. And it was a lesson I will never, ever forget. And it was a very valuable lesson. It, it doesn't, you know, when it comes to reps, right? My new rule is I don't work with anyone I don't like. Period. I don't give a fuck. Rep-wise, right? Directors, casting directors, that's a different story. That's business. That, I mean, of course, reps are business too. But I don't have to work with you if you don't have the same views, like, of the industry that I do. Because I'm trying to break out of this old Hollywood mentality. Right. Yeah. I'm done. And I actually just broke up with my manager of two and a half years because, listen, she did great things for me. But she kept submitting me for bilingual, fluent Spanish, and I do not speak fucking Spanish. (laughs) And I've said this for two years and I have jumped through hoops. I have worked with Spanish coaches. I have done, I do Duolingo every day. I actually am on my 200 and second, 202 days in Duolingo. Okay. And I understand Spanish, right? I can read Spanish. My dad speaks Spanish. It's not like, it's just that, you know, because my last name's Chavez, right? Which is my married name. Cause my husband's actually half Mexican. My maiden name is Varon or Varon, which is Hispanic, which is different, right? And I'm fine for going out for the Latina roles. I would rather them actually go out to Latina women. So I always get a little weird about it because I'm always like, well, so I had to finally break up with my manager because, and it was hard, but it was like, she got me the last bilingual audition. I was like, I don't know what to tell you anymore. I don't, I mean, I had to turn it down because I can't do that on set. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the whole script is like, I didn't have much Spanish, but everyone there is speaking Spanish. How am I supposed to, like, I understand it, but I'm not, I'm not bilingual. It's Mm -hmm. a different thing. Yeah. And it's disrespectful for me to be even petitioning for that. So with my new manager and I love my new agent. Oh my God. I love my agent. Love her. She's amazing. Um, They're really seeing me for me now. I'm at that point in my career. Where I'm like, listen, like, I get it. The Chavez and like, I'm ethnically ambiguous. I understand. No one ever knows what I am, right? I get it. But also, let's try to get out of the type casting here. <laughs> let's like, try to see me for me. I know I'm still at that co-star. I'm starting to get into guest star level. But I just think it's important as an artist to always remember that like, you are you. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wonderful place that you're at now where you can say this is me yeah started this conversation you didn't know who you were you were trying to find you and everything else and that's yep that's a hell of a journey cindy thank you and it has been let me tell you guys i mean i've used every tool like anyone like your mental health there's nothing more important like I just wish, you know, but the thing is, is that nobody can go on the journey until they're ready to go on the journey, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and for me, it was the realization, and I'm going to get really honest here. I had such a chip on my fucking shoulder about LA and all my pain and all my rejection. I had jealousy, you know, I was hating other actors. I was getting bitter, right? And I knew, and comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. It really is. 
And my, my turning point was like, oh my God, if I don't fix myself, if I don't fix myself, I will never have this. And I will never enjoy it, even if I do get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I took it real seriously. A couple of years ago, I really, I went, um, I did hypnosis, which I, it's expensive. It's not covered by insurance, which totally sucks because it should be. Fuck, it should be. But I did about 10 sessions with a wonderful uh, therapist, um, hypnosis therapist in Encino in, 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 that I was referred to. And I still listen to these tapes. And basically what, what hypnosis does is like reprograms your sub. Because, you know, you operate from 90% of your unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. 90%? Yeah. And from the ages from zero to 10, whatever's put in there, you're just fucking there. And that's science. Yeah. That is science. That's why and I'm such a mess. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy shit. Like I find it, you're not a mess, but it, I find it fascinating, you know, like, because I did study science and it is interesting to me. And so hypnosis was a huge part of my recovery because I'm in recovery, you guys. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was a person who coped and survived my entire life. And now for the first time in my life, I'm living like living, like, you know, and, and, you know, but it takes, again, I have a two hour and listen, if anyone, you know, people that are listening, like, don't get overwhelmed. Like I took like baby steps to get here. Right. This has taken two years. So hypnosis, um, I worked with shamanic healers. I'm very, I really believe in energy. I really believe in there's so much held in your body you don't even know it, you know? Um, I've seen the same therapist since I've moved here. I've seen the same therapist every Friday, you know, two and a half years. Um, What else do I do? Of course, exercise, eating healthy, just, but the main thing is like this, um, I have a new practice that I do that grew. So it started with five minutes of meditation in the morning. That's it. That's all I could do, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, morning pages too. A little bit of morning pages with a meditation. Um, and I use an app. I use, you know, guided visual, uh, guided meditations. And then it just started getting longer through the years, right? So now I have a whole thing where I do 30 minutes of minutes. I do morning pages for about half an hour. And then I do my 30 minute meditation. And then the last two months, um, this just came organically. I've added on, because I have a lot of yoga experience. Um, again, I wouldn't recommend this for anyone who doesn't have their own, that doesn't know yoga, right? Because you've got to be careful. But I added on like um, a 20-minute yoga practice that started with one song. Like I did a five-minute song to yoga. And then I was like, oh, I want to keep going. Another five-minute song. Another five-minute song. Because I'm very connected to music. Mm-hmm. So I always have music in my ears. So... And it just starts my day with like purpose and intention. And it's also interesting that the woman who did everything she did all the time to keep herself busy enough to not listen to the self now spends two hours every day with herself before she starts <laughs> the rest of the day. Yeah. You're crazy. I, I, I it's beautiful. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And I was so honored that you guys wanted to like have me on this podcast because, and like what you said, Whitney, when you wrote me, that meant a lot because I have changed a lot. I mean, I've changed my life Mm -hmm. you guys. and my husband's changed. Kids have changed. It's like, it's all within you. Like, and I'm looking back at previous relationships that fell, that didn't work out. And I don't look at it with shame or guilt, right? But I'm really able to look now and go, holy shit, I did have a part in that. Yeah, you can honestly recognize your part yeah. in it all. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting revelation when you get to that point. And then- I'm there right now, it is yeah. weird. And the, and the other side of it is when you can ex- exert your own true self for you, for you, then you become a better model for your kids you become a better partner for your partner because you're no longer trying to feed them what you think they need. 
they're able to see from you how to take care of themselves because you're doing it for you. Exactly. It's that was so beautifully said. You have such a way with words. So beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but it's oh what? Go ahead. Oh no, you had a you had a thought there. I want to hear your thought. Oh, oh I I don't know. It, it went away. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, well, Cindy, it's been really great talking to you. And I, I love thank you for everything you've shared today. Um I know honestly it's been We've been talking a lot about your journey, which I think is so important for so many young actors to hear that it's not all about the acting and the business. It's about your not all about the classes and, and no. books and whatever else. It's about your life too. It's about your life yeah. and um, putting your life in order. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah. Uh, we do have to wrap it up. Our last thoughts. Um, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, whatever you want to share in the last few minutes. Um, well, um, I have an Instagram. It's, uh, it used to be Cindy Chavez actress, but I changed it because I'm not just an actress. Mm -hmm. That's why I changed it. I had this revelation. I'm like, I'm not just an actress. Um, it's Cindy Chavez lower. Is that score? Is that what you call it? Underscore. underscore lower score i like that uh cindy chavez lower score 16 you can reach me um instagram that's about it um i mean my facebook is pretty i keep it pretty personal and private so uh um but yeah i guess my final thoughts are like anyone who's listening right now just know that like this work this self-work it i know it can sound overwhelming if you're like swimming in that pit of kind of like patterns and habits and you don't, you kind of see it, but you don't know how to get out of it. But like, if you just take little baby steps, it's not overwhelming. And the more you listen to your inner voice and you find your intuition and the more you trust it, the more happens. Right. So that's, that's what I would. Yeah. And I think again, you know, when it comes to being an actor, this work makes you an amazing actor too. It's just beside the classes, right? Like you were saying, David. So, yeah. That's right. wonderful. That's great thank to leave you, on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Thank you. You guys are the best. So good to reconnect with you. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. It's been thank way you. too long. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Like, I'm so happy I popped in at Clubhouse. Like, yeah. that was totally random. I was yeah. bored. I was, I was like, like, oh, look, Cindy's in Clubhouse. Yay. <laughs> so it was meant to be, you know, synchronicity. So thank you. I am so grateful for this. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Have a great rest yeah. of your day. You too, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please... Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears.